Hello, and a big warm welcome to a post-Christmas Holtcast. Um, as usual, it's James Rushton. I'm joined again by Danny Raza. How are you getting on? Good evening, mate. I'm good. How are you? All good, man. A bit hoarse, a bit worse for wear after uh, the festive period. But yeah, good to see uh, Villa turning it around. Uh, we'll get on to that. It's pretty special, though, in the last match. Yeah, it was pretty special, wasn't it? 5 0. It's been a long time since we've seen that happen at Villa Park. I believe it's been two years. I can't remember who it was, the last team that we smashed by that kind of a margin. But I think it was a game where we're all excited about uh, because we saw some terrific performances from a few players who we have been waiting on. Yeah, um, unfortunately, we do have to start in chronological order. So that means starting with a bit of negativity. On a Boxing Day, a day after Christmas, the 26th of December, it's a, you know the usual festive fixture. We headed down to London, while Villa headed down to Lon- London to verse Brentford. And I think they could have been uh, mistaken has been a bit hungover. I feel um, it was a bit of a, a poor game. You know, you managed to catch it on Sky Sports, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, I did watch the whole game. Yeah, uh, it was. Not good. <laughs> well, I think it was it was what we expected, wasn't it? I think we were speaking about it uh, a week before. Uh, the match actually happened. We were thinking, well, you know, as a result of Villa, I think it was it came straight after a, another defeat, didn't it? Um, I think because we 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 saw Villa, you know, performing badly, and it, it was actually no, it was a two all draw we had with Sheffield United the week yes. before that, and it was a two nil defeat to Derby, and it just you see we knew we knew that Villa were going to struggle to turn up against this kind of a side. Brentford, you know, did what they were going to do, didn't they? I mean, they they they, they sat back. They played very well defensively. Villa seemed to have a lot of possession, but during that time weren't able to create a lot. Uh, and it was, as we say, something we expected. The players just didn't seem to have any sort of, um, it didn't seem to have any motivation about them. But I think it was the similar sort of situation that we talked about on the podcast before, where if things aren't right, you know, a couple of days before Christmas, they're not sorting it out by Boxing Day. Uh, and they certainly didn't. No, um, usually, you know, the team's going to practice on Christmas Day. It's, Christmas period is usually quite rough for football teams, to be fair. Um, I guess it's with, you know, the sludge of fixtures that are coming around. Um, I expected a bit more fight from Villa. I'm a bit disappointed. I mean, Josh Anima's goal, fantastic from Scott Hogan to grab that equaliser. Um, but uh, Brentford, too much quality. Sergi Canos on the wing, you know, perfection. Uh, Barcelona graduate, I believe. Uh, he was really talented. And, it, it, you know, whatever Brentford are doing is, is perfect. I mean... I've seen, I, I follow someone who's helping out with their recruiting and they've got the right idea about how to do things. They're getting stuff on a shoestring. They're getting it sorted. They'll go, they'll be, be Premier League within 10 years and they'll be staying there. What you reckon? Yeah. I mean, it's a shame they aren't like a big market club. They are crowded. They are in a smaller, smaller end of London. But if they get, you know, support behind them, a bit of money behind them, that'll be, that'll be something to watch. They do football, right? I don't think they have an academy, which is a weird thing. I think they, they make the most, instead of just bringing people into a system that's not going to work, they make the most of what what's going on in everyone else's academies. I mean, that makes sense. So, you know, there was a couple of players, I mean, there was quite a few players over there we've seen jumping out from different teams before. You know, we saw Josh McEachran playing for him as well. You know, uh, Romain Sawyers, obviously a Warsaw graduate as well. Uh, so yeah, th- th- there are a lot of players over there that you can recognise. And then the defence is made, almost, made up enti- almost entirely of, of foreigners, I believe, as well, um, which is really rare to see, I think, in, in in English football too, which does tell you that they, you know, obviously make a lot of a lot of interesting decisions when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to find players in places where others may not look. It's it's a good thing. I, I'd wish Villa do it would do it more, um, because if they had even a glimpse of the recruiting success that Brentford had, that'd, that'd be incredible. And what is that to say about Dean Smith, mate? Um, masterclass he gave us. 
uh, when we went down to Griffin Park. Uh, you know, we it's it's a hard game for us always. You know, in the last two seasons, when we've been going down, become our bogey team in a way. Yeah, you know what? I'm looking back at the statistics now, and you know, just forget what I said before. They they, they did have more possession, and they had almost twice as many shots as us as well. Uh, and it, it seemed like it, it it was almost the same three attacking players that that that, that turned it on against us as well. Uh, I don't think that their midfield was necessarily dominant uh, throughout the game at all. But every time Sawyer's got the ball or, or Canos got the ball, they, they, they pushed forward. They changed their system from the week before when they when they played. I can't remember who it was they played against the, the, the week before, but they changed their system for Villa. They purposefully pushed Sawyer's, Canos, and Joseph Zoon uh, further up to, to play like to play uh, linking up again, uh, linking up with Viber. Uh, which was obviously an attacking move from Dean Smith. And he knew that if you put pressure on Villa's defence, that we were going to suffer. Um, and I don't think that's a criticism towards our defenders necessarily, but I think it was a bit of a criticism towards perhaps Glenn Whelan um, and, and Jedinak, who of course had to run the midfield with their, I don't want to say like anything bad, but with their older legs. The big mistake come from Glenn Whelan, didn't it? Let's not focus too much on Brentford because it's a lot of negativity and there's still quite a fair bit of negativity actually process in this podcast with, you know, the events leading up to the Middlesbrough game and post-Middlesbrough game especially um, with some of the comments made by Steve Bruce and maybe some of the media getting on the backs of Villa fans. Um, but they, they were completely outclassed against Brentford and that's not something you often see. We feel like um, usually uh, they're beating and well beaten, but being outclassed is a whole different thing. Yeah, you know, this is this is the thing, isn't it? It, 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 it was like that. It was like that. But I think even even when you look at it, I think the, the 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 problem and the sad thing is really is that when we did get back to one one, we should have pushed on, but we didn't. Um, and it's not necessarily like Brentford's goals were amazing either. Uh, it, they, they were genuinely goals we could have done something about. And it does leave you wondering why players keep on making silly mistakes because we we then started looking at it and thinking well hang on a second you know looking back at the derby game looking back at the brentford game and looking back at the sheffield united game every single goal we'd conceded was of, was on the basis of a silly error you know the first one coming from glenn whelan uh and then you know perhaps you could even say james chester for for not being able to block that ball properly and then the second coming from onoma deciding to back up into our in, into one of our center backs and uh, essentially making it difficult for, for for him to to actually pick off the attacker who then scored the goal by the header um, and i think this is this is one of the issues we we've been suffering as as villa fans it's that we'll look how are we ever supposed to push on and be the better side when whenever we do uh, try uh, to to kind of grab some sort of uh, hold on the game we have a silly, silly defensive error which 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 stops things from going our way. Because the thing you got to remember as well is that second goal it came right after half time. Big, big plaudits for uh, Scott Hogan though, mate. Um, across the floor, he wasn't getting much success. We weren't playing the ball into him. Um, so he made a goal of his own making. He uh, ran out wide after brilliant play from Mila Yedinak to break it up in midfield. He started deep with uh, both Yedinak and Whelan playing. Um, Mila Yedinak winning the ball, playing it through to Snodgrass who. Uh, unleashed Hogan on the wing. Great ball in for Onoma. Brilliant attacking prowess from the young man as well with that header uh, to bring Villa into the game. But yeah, Hogan really went for it didn't he, against his old team. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. He, 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 he did very well. He was making those runs all throughout the game. He, you, you could tell that he was trying to make chances for, for, for players to get through to him. And I think to some degree, 
uh, we, we, we were doing okay in that respect. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Adoma going off really did make us struggle because I think it meant Jack Grealish had to go out wide. But, but you know, we did see glimpses of it. You know, Grealish did play well against Brentford, in my opinion. He was he was making, uh, he was, you know, creating good opportunities and, and, and trying to push guys like Snodgrass or Hogan through. But I don't think, clearly, uh, before, before, obviously, the last game, or perhaps, you know, the, the the game, obviously, which we won 5-0. I think there hasn't been a lot of attention being made into into making those clever runs and getting ahead of the defence. You know, we've seen a lot of that sort of long ball. And when it comes to Scott Hogan playing up front, instead of somebody like Keenan Davis, uh, what, it, what it essentially means is that, that Villa have had to change their system um, and they've had to change their style of play. And I think what we saw against Brentford is the beginning of, of that change. Um, but... <laughs> whatever, whatever um, positivity I had about that was kind of drained when uh, Steve Bruce basically came out in his press conference and, and said that he didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, um, Steve Bruce was booed off against uh, Brentford, wasn't he? Quite viciously, to be honest, by the Villa fans. I'm, I mean, I'm not in criticism. Criticism. I'm not here or, here or forth against it at all. Um, I don't really mind if it's praise or booze that is getting away because away is where, you know, it's your hardcore fans, it's people who are travelling up and down the country, panic, extortion sums um, to watch football take place and sometimes it's not good football and when it happens, there's a bit of booing. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What, booing the team? Well, yes, about that specific incident wherein he was booed off. After I think... On the- it was you don't know what you're doing. That yeah, kind of I thing. think I think people have just been a bit frustrated with. Steve. I think if Steve Bruce hadn't made the sort of comments he's been making in the press conferences, I don't think it would have happened, right? If Steve Bruce has just kind of like accepted that, look, he's made some bad decisions when it comes to selecting sides, um, and and that you know he needs to work to improve that, then it would have been okay. But I think the the problem is Steve Bruce has has come out kind of acting a little bit, and I I, I don't I don't have a problem with it per se because he is the manager. He's going to believe he's right. He's going to want to he's going to want to defend himself. I totally get that. But uh, I I think when you do kind of act as brash as you are in these kinds of press conferences, making the kinds of comments where you're, you're kind of putting the blame on individual players and, and that kind of thing, uh, or, or trying to convince the, the fans that they need to stay patient and that kind of thing. I think you do leave yourself open to that sort of criticism. Uh, I'm not going to condone uh, the booing from fans. I think personally that that should only be reserved for, for really, really bad occasions. Uh, you know, but I think if 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 your manager's out there making silly comments when we're clearly not playing well, then I can totally understand why people who have paid tons of money to go over and, and watch an away game uh, are going to be disappointed and, and inevitably boo the manager. Oh, that's fair enough, mate. I think, um, you know, regardless if people think it's right or wrong, I think the the... There are aspects to both of those things that are right, but any answer, in, in a sense, can be the right answer. Um, enough for Brentford. I think it's quite depressing. Um, it wasn't a good match. We didn't enjoy it. Villa did it rarely showed any signs of any real positivity. There were bright spots, of course. Um, they went off the yeah, ball. Yeah, no, no, but um, not I think a good match, mate. I, I wanted to just, you know, put some realism back into it. It's it's what we were looking at and thinking. You know, the game beforehand, you know, we said it in the podcast before. Look, it, it, they're not going to get it right by Boxing Day. You can't. If if your players are, are, are down by that point and there's severe problems in the way that you're playing, you haven't got enough time really to fix it by then. I don't think anyway. Um, 
because you can make the you can make the argument of you know footballers being professionals and and, and whatnot. That's perfectly fine, but it's Christmas, isn't it? And there's going to be you know there's, there's going to be a little bit of time off, and there's going to be a little bit of lag. I can totally get it. Not working on Boxing Day, especially away from home, you know, at Brentford as well. These these players obviously have uh, have had to struggle a little bit more to get to that fitness and kind of get uh, get to the game than than, than Brentford up. Um, and what we did say as well is that you know against Middlesbrough we'd have a better chance despite Middlesbrough kind of being seen as the as the stronger side. Um, and I think yeah, we just need to apply some realism to it. That Brentford game it was always going to be going against us. Yeah. Um, we went to Middlesbrough and um, Steve Bruce made a few choice comments. I think this is where a lot of anger comes from. It seemed like he was throwing in the towel before the game. Um, he, you know, was, I've got a lot of injuries. We're down to the bare bones. I wonder what will, will happen. I'll see. I'll get back to you about the result in a few hours. So for that, I think he was predicting that maybe under new manager Tony Pulis that Middlesbrough would get a result. Um, they didn't. It was 1-0 to Villa. Um, Middlesbrough did threaten. Adama Traore did do the few cutbacks uh, down the side, but his passes into the box didn't go anywhere. Um, I remember Stuart Downing putting a few deep balls in late on. Um, nothing nothing spe- spectacular from Middlesbrough. And I did play it on the floor. To um, You know, we can criticise Tony Pulis and his uh, way of thinking a lot, but Middlesbrough were keeping the ball on the floor. Uh, Villa, on the other hand, were progressing with that um, strong counter-attack down the right to where the goal come from. Albert Adona crossing for uh, Robert Snodgrass. 1-0, clean defending. Burke here, Bjarnason, a bit of a hero coming on late with those light clearances down the wing, holding up the ball. Yeah, good good display uh, uh, against Middlesbrough on the 30th. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we were effective at creating opportunities, you know, uh, as well. We, we, we obviously use the flanks quite a lot. And I think that's the thing. That's what we're strongest at as well. And I think the other thing is we need to give plaudits to both Mila Yedinak and Tommy Alfik, who are both standout performers in that game. Uh, two players who obviously were... And this I think this is where my sort of frustration came with Steve Bruce. Both players who stood out for playing in their respective positions. And yet Steve Bruce still had to come out and say, oh no, my original plan was that Jedinak was going to play in defence and, and Alfik wasn't going to play at all. There's no need to make those kinds of comments, especially when... When, when, when clearly the, 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 the both players are showing why they should be playing, um, and I think you know that it was it was nice to see that, and I think we were quite effective as well in terms of uh, in terms of tackling during that game as well, which I, which I have to say, um, well done to to the efforts as I say to of, of Mila Yedinak in that midfield. Yeah, um, Adama Traore, uh, I think not Adama this time, mate. It is, it is Adama. <laughs> um, he showed some wheels during that game, some proper speed. I, I think. You do see bursts of the player that he could be one day. Uh, Russian Hepburn Murphy, on the other hand, shows some real quality when during his few uh, his little cameo appearance, uh, a few neat touches here and there. Bit of speed, unfortunately, not too. Not he couldn't outmatch Adama, but uh, especially in the open track. But a uh, bit of nice bit of technique from him to try and bring Villa uh, chase a second. And I thought, yeah, it is a positive introduction. It's his first appearance of the season. Good to have him uh, back around the first team because it's been Keenan Davis. He's been stealing the limelight after uh, Callum O'Hare started off so brightly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it's good to see players like Hepburn Murphy and O'Hare, you know, getting getting that chance and getting those runs out as well, run outs as well. Because I think what what we're seeing now is I think Steve Bruce is start, slowly starting to realise that playing with Hogan up front rather than Keenan Davis. No, no disrespect to Keenan Davis, but playing Hogan up front allows Villa to play in a much better way. You know, that's that's ideal for dominating teams and 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 winning. You know, winning games that we might otherwise 
draw if we're playing in in, in the old system with, with with Davis up top. And I think now as well with Hogan being the main striker and more of a focus being played into getting the striker behind the defense and trying to make clever runs, we'll see more of Hepburn Murphy now. I think we're we're playing the ball along the ground a lot more. We're not seeing we're not seeing lofty crosses necessarily. Um, we're, we're seeing Adoma and Snodgrass bring in good service, and I think that's perfect for a young uh, for a young striker coming through. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I have to say fair, I have to say fair play to um, Hepburn Murphy for for making his way into the side and, uh, and and showing some good glimpses, especially when Middlesbrough would obviously be be pushing for that uh, for that equaliser. Robert Snodgrass is uh, one of our players on loan from West Ham United, where he's not really liked, mate. And what do you think about his impact at the time here? I mean, more so the Middlesbrough match, because we can get onto his excellent performance against Bristol City later on when we kind of cover that game. But he was the man who uh, put put away our best chance and uh, gave us the goal. Uh, what do you think of him during this time here? Yeah, I think what we're seeing now is we're, we're seeing Snodgrass the leader on the right-hand side. We're seeing an experienced winger who, who, who knows... How to? I think we, we we see a real sort of intelligence of it in him during the game. He's almost like I mean, I think obviously a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis being put into pace and and uh, you know being able to beat defenders really really quickly when when it comes to being a winger. But what we're seeing is we're seeing we're, we're seeing somebody experienced who knows how to pick out a pass, who knows how to pick find opportunities. That's what we've seen from Snodgrass over the last few games. He's getting ahead of defenders. Right, and he's doing it almost seamlessly. He seems to be able to find space with absolute ease. He just knows where to find it. You know, you see that with the with wingers like Iron Robin, who are still around at their age, being able to being able to to do things. They they, they, don't, they don't do it because they're necessarily working hard and right, running up and down the pitch all game. They they do it because they've got a footballing intelligence. And I can't remember the last time we've had a winger like that. Perhaps the the last time. Um, I've seen somebody who, who who can play like that and and, and whip in crosses uh, for fun is probably either Ashley Young or Stuart Downing. I can't remember any other wingers that I've that I've that I've thought you know this guy is is that good with. And I mean, I have been thinking to myself, you know, what if uh, what if we need to drop Snodgrass for Grealish and 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 play kind of a Doma and Grealish instead? But he's fair play to him. He's he's showing up now, isn't he? He is showing up um, and him and Adoma seem to work really, really well together. They just seem to have this sort of uh, telekinesis be- between them, don't they? Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, one thing I'd like to see more from Snodgrass is certainly some defensive tracking back. Um, he can leave his side a bit unbalanced, but that adds to kind of the deadliness of our counter-attack. Um, because we are, you know, we are pushing up one side of the pitch and leaving the other side kind of uncovered. And it is this almost asymmetrical approach where we are already halfway up the pitch by the time the ball, you know, Sam Johnson's got the ball ready to deliver it. And it is, uh, it has its, you know, its drawbacks in the fact that if we are facing a counter, he'll be maybe the slowest man to get back. But also he he's hanging around that midfield line waiting to, you know, he hasn't got the pace, but he's got the brains and he's got the, certainly the feet to uh, do some damage. And uh, yeah, and the head as well, you know, excellent header against uh, Middlesbrough to give us the lead. And I'm happy with that result, mate. Um, one thing we will say, this is where the comments come in again. Um, I believe Steve Bruce was expecting the loss. He had to pick a team almost by accident. You know, Yedinak and Alfie weren't going to play or weren't going to play in the positions that were picked for them. I mean, he come out after the match and he seemed more delighted, not at the fact that he's won, but the, at the fact that he's proved people wrong. And how, how do you feel about that? Well, he th- he contradicted his own statement, then didn't he? Because he said, because like 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 you just said, he he said that 
you know, he wasn't going to play those two originally, which basically means that you're telling everybody that you picked it by accident and you've just basically, you, you, you've just put an absolute bummer on, 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 on their performances, haven't you? Cause you just kind of gone, you know, oh, you know, it might've been a little bit better if it was for these, for these other lads, if, if we'd have picked them instead. And it's like, well, no, Steve, just accept it. You know, they, they both played, they both played well. There's no need to say that. There's no need to say that you would have picked somebody else because at that point they've given you a performance and you want to give them confidence. There's, there's no need to make those kinds of comments, you know, and especially when you've got that kind of pressure on you, yourself as a manager, that ends up translating on the players. Why would you draw that that that, that sort of, why would you want to draw that kind of criticism back on yourself? That's what I don't get. And he doesn't seem to get it. Uh, the, the, if... If 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 the team goes out and wins, and he plays the best team possible, we prefer that to if he lines out with all of who he can see, uh, all of who he considers to be the best eleven. You know, it, it's it, the result that matters more. It is from in a sense, like I, I like the fight. I like the fact that he does bounce back against the fan base and he won't shrink. But I. Like I wrote, I wrote a piece about it, and I said it doesn't end badly. And a lot of people kind of took that the wrong way, as you know, me being Bruce. Out. And I'm, it's not necessarily Bruce. Out. It's like if you do that and you don't back it up, it ends with you losing your job. Yeah, yeah. If you do, you know, it has worked out for him, and you know, fair play to that. But and it, it happens again after the Bristol City. I think it, you know, and it's constant this, 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 and that. And Birmingham Mal are also doing it as well, which I don't appreciate because you know that's that's just strange how they will. So the Birmingham Mal came out and said, you know, it's time to support Bruce, and I'm like, hang on a minute, you ran a front page, you know, asking for Lambert to be sacked, and it wasn't even like as bad as it could have, as bad as it was going to get, you know, when he needed support, the Birmingham Mal weren't there. So I find it kind of ironic how you know they're there for Bruce. I think it's probably something to do with the fact that they won't have any access if they slag him off. You now we can do it to our heart's content, mate, which is a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, going back to the point, it didn't seem like the the, the needed thing to do at all. Um, those comments weren't necessarily needed and it did you know that kind of Christmas period did have a little touch of the fact of you know the beginning of the end is what it seemed like at points yeah I him. mean it was never it was never as bad as people considered it it was always going to be a tough period you know we said this from the start Christmas period is always going to be t- always going to be tough if you go on a bad run of results you go on a bad run of results but the point is bounce back from it and you know what 1-0 against a, a, a side who have just acquired Tony Pulis, the master of the defensive masterclass, you know, in, in English football in particular. It's it's terrific. You know, we, we, we came up against the side who have recently been relegated and have some real options up top. If there's anybody who knows how to play long ball, it's Tony Pulis. And let's get this straight. Estede and Asambalonga as an attack force could be deadly under him, if I'm totally honest. And you've, you've got to consider yeah. the wingers that they've got as well. Yes, they've got Stuart Downing on the right-hand side, who, you know, you could say maybe is the equivalent of a Robert Snodgrass. But then you've also got Braithwaite as well, who, you know, let's not take anything away from him, is a, is a quality winger. Uh, Traore as well. You know, the, 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 the potential service this side could give their big strikers is, uh, you know, it's, it's scary. Uh, but that, that 1-0 result is absolutely quality to be able to nick that away at Middlesbrough. And I have to say fair play to Steve Bruce. Uh, he's showing me now that he is pragmatic. And this is why I will always 
respect Steve Bruce to to some de- to some degree, and this is the this is the reason why I appreciate him because I was treated the three or four years of Paul Lambert who never shifted on his policy despite any sort of criticism. And while Steve Bruce may say weird things at press conferences and come across as a Mike Bassett at times, at the end of the day, he is pragmatic. And if things aren't working, clearly he does choose to resolve them. Yeah, let's talk about delivering, mate, because uh, Villa did that in humongous style last night. Um, I have the honour of being a Villa season ticket. That's probably the best football match I've ever seen, um, even more so than us beating Blues 5-1. Um, we had a brilliant football team at the time I think it was expected for us to power and blues um, Bristol City are one of the best attacking sides and best football playing sides and best sides in general in the championship um, they high flying gunning for automatic, automatic promotion I thought we were going to lose this match and I thought we were going to lose it in big style um, the first 20 minutes mate they did have Villa's number that has to be said Villa what could easily have went down in that first 20 minute period. Um, it won't be on the highlight reels. It won't be on anything, but they were passing the ball around like there's no tomorrow and Villa was struggling. And um, we've seen it too often when they collapse, but man, a, uh, a period of possession, a period of patient build up play, you know, it's Barcelona style. It's playing out from the back. It's getting forward in, in with meaning and it's playing the ball into the box where there's someone waiting. That man, Scott Hogan come up with a big goal, mate. Yeah. Scott Hogan, he needed that, didn't he? How badly did he need that? How badly did he do that? I mean, he, you can see the excitement on him, man. Yeah, he pretended to pass out after he scored. And I think, you know, he, he could have almost done that. Brilliant. He couldn't have got off the mark. I, I say get off the mark. That's his first goal for Villa. No way you put... I know he scored three before. That's the first true goal. Because, you know, now the floodgate should open. He played that match with, you know, confidence. I've never seen someone have. It was just perfect. The, the header, it had no right to go in. He's, what, he's not even six foot, is he? And he, he beat Nathan Baker for a ball. And we know Nathan Baker's good, especially when it comes to heading. You know, if you play the ball on his head, you know, if he had two heads for feet, it'd be brilliant. But, uh, yeah, beat, beat Nathan Baker, put the ball in the box, put the ball in the goal, sorry, and uh, off the mark, mate, really and truly. Yeah, I mean, having said that, Nathan Baker's also the kind of defender who's, who's, who's liable to getting skinned by the kind of striker that Scott Hogan is. Now, I think, I think just a quick word on those two defenders, right? Bristol City, Flint and Baker, both terrific defenders, right? Both of them scary defenders as well, yeah? But when, when, when it comes down to it, and you're facing the kind of pace that Villa delivered, right? They're not going to be able to do anything about it. They just will not be able to keep up with it. Now, Scott Hogan, fair play to him for his positioning. Right? But also, you need to give credit to both Grealish and Adoma who created that. You know, first of all, I think it was Scott Hogan who, who picked that ball up in... I can't remember how far away it was, but pretty much near the centre circle. Picked that ball up, gave it to Grealish, ran into the box, right? And Grealish passing it... Onto a domer as well. How he managed to find him with that pinpoint pass is beyond me. And then to see a domer whip it in with his left foot, I mean, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And it wasn't even the last. It wasn't even the last left foot uh, assist that a domer got. So well created. No, it was brilliant. Um, to see Scott Hogan get off the mark, to see him celebrating, styling, to just see him, the you know the Villa crowd sing his name. It, it, it's a long time coming because you know he was a player who was out the door. You know, not a week ago, you know, he's someone who hasn't been performing, and he's someone we haven't played to. Uh, to see him score a goal, he, you know, we, it wasn't played to his feet. It wasn't played in the style he liked. He adapted. He got the header in. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We we played to his strengths. We went on the front foot. You know, usually what we do is we play two defender, two defensive midfielders, kind of holding it out. 
Yep. It wasn't the case, was it? Because nope. what we saw was Jedinak, it was Jedinak, you know, staying there as that as that general, saying, no, we're not going to let the ball get anywhere past us, right? But Hurahan and Grealish were given freedom. And because of that, because of the ball being uh, being passed around and being played along the ground, it gave Hogan that opportunity. And we've been waiting for for that kind of play from Villa uh, to to kind of you know to you know to, to to see how good Hogan is because you've been seeing it for ages, mate. You've been saying obviously that we, we brought in Hogan, but we, we we're playing the wrong system, and this time we we played a system to his strength. The thing is with Scott Hogan that people need to appreciate is he has no one good asset. He's not Gabby Bonhoeffer's pace or Jack Grealish's passes, he, you know, he or Jedinak's strength. He has no singular attribute that makes him great. It's just the fact that he wants to score goals and he will do anything he can to score goals. I've never seen someone dart so fast with a football at their feet towards goal as Scott Hogan. And that's for Brentford as well when he was playing back there. Dude would pick up the ball, just sprint out a goal. And it, you know, it wouldn't be Gabby touch, you know, he would be careful, measured, sprinting. And he, he gets his position is fantastic. You know, I would take that one away from him when he deflected the goal off the line from you know Hurrahan kicked it in and he was on the line. Uh, when we was going to score against Middlesbrough. But he really does go for goal. Uh, he's the most direct football player I've probably ever seen in my life. And that's for any team. You know, he's the way he sprints the goal, he'll go, he'll gone for goal from a corner kick, the defensive corner kick. Perfect stuff. You know, there's no better forward. There's no better type of person that you'd want to be a forward, sorry, than him. I think like when you compare him to, to sort of better known strikers, he's he's very much in the, in the Michael Owen or Jermaine Defoe kind of mould, uh, Scott Hogan. Yes. And with, with that kind of striker, you, you need to you need to play to him, and you need you, you need to get the ball to his feet because if you're not finding him, he's not gonna. You know, I think I think he's not. Then you're not going to be imposing enough, are they? Do you know what I mean? You, you're not necessarily going to bank on them scoring from corners. Uh, you're not going to be able to just whip the ball in all day and kind of hope they get it. You need to understand the kind of striker that he is, and you need to be able to read him as well. And I think that's what Villa have been lacking. But what we did see against uh, against uh, Brentford was, and uh, sorry, Bristol City, sorry, was, and, and I think I observed it mostly in Snodgrass's second goal. What you did see from Villa was, and whenever Grealish picked up that ball from deep and started moving forward with it, everybody who was part of that attack moved forward in ensemble. And it just scrambles the defenders. Because Grealish is running at you. But then you've also got Adoma running in from one side. Scott Hogan running in from another side. And Snodgrass running around the other. Now, I don't care who you are, which defence you are, when you've got those kinds of players running at you at the same time, you are going to struggle to defend whatever attack they bring. Because you don't know which way that ball is going to go. And that's why Snodgrass obviously was able to find the kind of space that he did because it's all of the players moving together at once. It's not that one of our players has the ball and Snodgrass is making one run and everybody else is staying back. This time we attacked and we attacked with a real ferocity. I can't argue there, mate. All two goals from Robert Snodgrass uh, after Hogan's, you know, just just dispatching them. And that's down to one man in particular, mate, Jack Grealish. You know, what a night for him. Absolutely, you know, that is one of the best performances I've seen in a Villa shirt. I mean, 
Bristol did play to him. They didn't go, you know, a lot of people were trying to tell you that, you know, they tried to kick him off the park. They didn't. He, he was given an incredible amount of space. But when push comes to shove and there's Nathan Baker and Adam Flint, you know, trying to shoulder him off the ball, he held his ground impressively. And not only that, he was able to play those killer balls, you know, those free balls that he's becoming renowned for now to uh, Snodgrass, who dispatched yeah. them. You know, incredible. Yeah, it was Snodgrass. It was also Adoma as well. The first two, first two assists from Adoma came as a result of Greedish pinpointing him. Yeah. He just opens, whether he's getting the assist of the goal or not, he's opening up Villa's play 100%, you know, tenfold. There's no better person in that role than him for Aston Villa. No, there isn't. There isn't. And I think I think one person I want to give plaudits to as well is Hurahan. He did that very well as well during that game. He doesn't have that same sort of pace as Grealish and, and ability to run through, but he did that. He he played that role very well as well. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from his performance because it's very easy to get carried away with how well Grealish played. But yeah, you know, I want to I want to say well done to him as well. But no, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, mate. What a performance that was. I think somebody somebody described it as George Best like now. Obviously it's going a bit far, but I think the the comparison is really by the fact that Greenish was able to pick up the ball deep, uh, sometimes even within Villa's own half, and and carry it straight into attack with seeming you know, seemingly without any defenders around him. And I think it's because he's he's that good with the ball at his feet that he just seems to slow time almost when he, when he does dribble with it. And we're not talking about him running down the wing and, you know, down the touchline where obviously, you know, if, if the ball goes away, it's a, it's, it's a throw-in. We're talking about him running straight down the middle of the park. <laughs> that, that, that was the thing that was amazing about it. Yeah, I mean, you do say that about George Best. I mean, it's right, you know, we shouldn't get carried away. We shouldn't fall into hyperbole. We shouldn't say that Jack Greer should suddenly become messy. But for one night, he what? He may as well have been. Because it, it was that kind of world-class display where players are not going to touch him because if they're going for a tackle, he's done them. And if they don't go for a tackle, he's going to play the ball through and get someone in who's going to score. And he did that and he did everything. There wasn't a bad part to his game. He threw the tackles in. You know, I think he started off a bit poorly. He misplaced a pass within five minutes and that was it. You know, from then on, straight playing the game. And, you know, I think has he come of age? Is that the question? Because we're seeing a Jack Grealish now that is making things happen on a regular basis it's daily for Aston Villa now where he's making things happen I think yeah I think one thing that was that is worth mentioning is Steve Bruce saying after the game that he looked like a man and I think that might almost be a kind of a, a kind of well reference to the fact that over the last couple of seasons, Greedish has almost kind of disappeared in games whenever he has played and hasn't really taken the ball by the scruff of its neck right but today uh, I mean, sorry, not today, but against Middlesbrough and against, yeah, and, and you know, fair play to him, you know, obviously, especially against Bristol City. But I think definitely over the over the course of the last few games, Greedis is showing that, look, he is the main playmaker and he can absolutely run the game by himself. But what we, you know, what, what what's different about it is this time is we've got a player who has a lot of other good players around him. And it's not just one good performance that that was put in yesterday against Bristol City. It was multiple good performances. And and, and Grealish is just... Grealish seems to be the heartbeat of it. I'll say that. Things have looked a lot better since he's come back in particular. He's able to dictate everything. And I think it is a pleasure to watch him play at the moment. Villa's... Uh, he's, you know, it was uh, Robert Snodgrass who scored the last two. But Berkeley Bjarnason, mate. Come on, got his first <laughs> Villa goal. Brilliant. No, not the fact... 
intelligent run. Um, what's not shown on the video with the highlights is his run to get that ball was incredible. The way he just opened up the defence, he, he got to a point where he stopped running forward and just started running sideways, diagonal across. <laughs> and, you know, those runs are deadly. No matter who you are, what pace you don't have, what technique you don't have, you're going to open up a defence if you start dragging wing-backs up the pitch with you. Brilliant. Well, he had so much space, didn't he? He had so much space. And then he just he just seemed to be, he just seemed to walk it, you know, walk it until he was one-on-one with the keeper before he finished it with his right foot as well. And I think what you've got to remember with Bjarne, I've been waiting for Bjarneson to get on the pitch for ages because I, d- I do genuinely think he's a good player. I've seen glimpses of it before, but we, we, we've seen him play in a side which hasn't been playing well. If you're going to bring on a player, you bring him on when we're, you know, when we're 3-0 up and, and clearly able to kind of, uh, clearly able to keep on pushing. And, uh, you know, fair play to him because we, we need that option. We, we need him to be around because we, we don't have any other left. In fact, I don't think other than Snodgrass, we don't have any other left-footed wingers. We certainly don't have any left-footed wingers who can, who can play on the left-hand side. And, uh, if Adoma gets injured, you need that option out there uh, because right now Greedish is playing so well in the centre that you don't want to shove him out wide either. Um, and, and 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 you know obviously with Andre Green coming back, you've got that as well. But people think about Bjarnason as a left back, as a left side in midfielder. But what you've got to remember is that a lot of his career, Bjarnason has been playing behind the striker as a bona fide attacking midfielder. That guy knows what he's doing creatively. Just been watching a video of a uh, build up to goals, and it's just. In the late stages of the game, you won't hear this a lot, but Bjarnason was running it at points. Like he was incredible in the centre, you know, and you see him score that exact same goal a lot for Iceland where he just cuts in from absolute nowhere. And I'm excited to see what he can do for Villa across the pitch. You know, if he's played with the impetus to attack, he's one of the players, he's a one-touch player. Like Hurrahan and Yedinak, he'll get the ball yeah. and in one touch he'll have created a move. You know, when you have a, when you link up those players like Grealish Hogan, Bjarnason, Snodgrass and Yedinak, think magic happens because they're all of the same mindset. And it's brilliant. you know, Adome is the wild card there because he would just he's the probably the player at the moment with the highest ceiling in the squad. Not saying that he's gonna be better than Grealish or whatever, but he's a player who will literally turn on the performance of a life every single game if given the chance. Um but Bjarnason the stuff he the stuff he was doing yesterday was pretty incredible. One touch football. He was he was unlocking the team. He was you know he was becoming something that the attack revolved around. He is a playmaker. and I will give him that. And I I don't understand why why people criticize him so much and kind of kind of turn their nose up at him because apart from the times he's been played as a wing back, I can't pinpoint any bad performance from him if I'm if I'm being totally honest. No, because people will see like Whelan or Yedinak smash like a 90 mile an hour pass at his feet. It'll bounce off him because of course it will do. It'll bounce off anyone and uh, the criticism starts. You know, the, there is a problem with the way we perceive players. You know, Grealish, you know, everyone was going to sell him until December, you know. And a month ago, he was on the transfer list. Same with Adoma, same with Hogan. You know, all these players, are, they don't try hard enough. They don't do enough. Same, you know, Songra is a perfect example. I see that he doesn't track back enough. Other people see that and go, oh, he's lazy. Oh, he's fat. He's overweight. Oh, he's worthless. He doesn't care. <laughs> he clearly does. You get the, the man borderline has an erection when he scored. You know, it's all, <laughs> it's all there. It's, it's there to see. You can see in the photo. No, I, I, uh, yeah, no, mate. What, where are you looking? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just the way we perceive uh, players sometimes. I think we try and push these attributes on them, you know, that they've got to be diehard villains. And, you know, not everyone's going to be that. Yeah. But they, they, do, they do care. Yeah, and also... They do, and just because Bjarnason gets a ball 
smashed off him at like 90 miles an hour by a holding midfielder. That's no representation of the talent he showed for, you know, Bar and and Iceland, of course. Yeah, and also when 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 the players are, and it's just partly down to the players as well, but when, when the players aren't getting ahead of the defenders and not, being encouraged to push forward. How, how can a player like Bjarnason go through? He's, he ain't dribbling through flipping Flint and Baker, is he? He ain't, gonna, he ain't dribbling through him. Do, do you know what I mean? Because, uh, need uh, to be uh, uh, goal. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that, that, takes, that takes teamwork and individual performance can only take you so far. It, it did well for Adoma, you know, in November because Adoma's ridiculously fast and can skin players, right? But not every player is going to shine like that. And this is why we need this. We need players working together in ensemble. It needs to be almost orchestral. This is the way that that, that that Villa need to play from now on. And I hope Steve Bruce understands that. And I do wonder whether this has been down to Steve Agnew. And if so, thank you, Steve, for coming into the club and getting these players playing differently within the space of a week. You struggle to find a better goal, mate, than Villa's fifth. Um, Bjarnason, Snodgrass, Hogan, anyone who was on the pitch combined to uh, make a goal happen, you know, a weird backward kind of clearance um, from, I believe it was from Snodgrass and like Bjarnason, one touch football into the box. Hogan dragged the entire defence with him making a run. He didn't even touch the ball and that's how important he is. He didn't even touch the ball and he <laughs> made the goal and Hogan dragged the defence away from him. Ball forced to Hurahanu uh, slices it home. 5-0, mate. Steve Agnew, uh, if he's brought the pressing in, because uh, Scott Hogan says after the game, um, you know, they ask him, what did you do differently? He goes, nothing. We just kind of went at it. And I think that's, that's it. if you're going to be aggressive, you know, you are going to lose games. You're going to be stupid. You're going to run, you know, you're going to run into a trap. You're going to get beaten on the counter. But everything worked out for Villa yesterday. And that was really refreshing to see that, you know, for once, everything went their way. Um, they did drag the game to their hands. They didn't stop pressing, didn't stop attacking the ball. The fresh introduction of uh, Hepburn Murphy, Bjarnason, O'Hare just kept the fresh legs going. And uh, five 0 might really happy with that. Oh yeah, fair play. And I think just one more point, Connor. Who you forget about? You know, you forget about this. You know, he, 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 he he's actually the second top scorer in the club as well at the moment this season. You know, just behind Alberto Doma. The guy, the guy knows where the goal is, and he's a, and he's a genuinely fantastic attacking midfield, not attacking midfielder. Sorry, playmaker. You know, he's a, he, he he is very very good at what he does. I genuinely do believe that he's a Premiership standard central midfielder as well. And I think he's ahead of the he's ahead of the Championship. Um, I felt that the criticism he received a couple of weeks ago uh, against Brentford was unnecessary. I think a lot of people kind of saw that he wasn't scoring a hat trick every other game and kind of thought, oh, well, he's not he's not performing well, is he? Uh, he obviously was playing alongside Glenn Whelan throughout that time. And I think it was nice to see that that Steve Bruce gave him a similar sort of responsibility to Jack Grealish in this game and said, "Look, just let just let Jedinak do the defensive work. You do you." And yeah, it was it was good to see that from Conor Hurahan because that is what a player like him needs. He needs a little bit of freedom to to get forward and uh, and help the attackers out. And I think the best thing about Villa was that they just weren't shy um, against Bristol City. And and that that's more of what we what we need to see from them. Uh, they, they need to stop being shy and they need to show just what they're capable of because time ain't going to wait for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it shows the importance of winning the ball back at the first attempt rather than waiting for it to fall to Sam Johnston to parry away. Uh, Millay Edenak winning the balls, playing it off one touch. You know, he wasn't going to hold, he wasn't holding onto the ball at all. He was not dribbling with the ball. He simply just got it and passed it off. He didn't complete a pass. He didn't even attempt a pass from Villa's defence. All his passes were from midfield. And I think that shows, but he realises the limitations of it. I think this is one 
area where Glenn Whelan doesn't really understand is that Mila Edenak realizes that he's limited and he gives the ball he but he gives the ball off in style. He doesn't you know, there was flicks here and then I'm like Yedinak's pulling that off. That's mad. Yeah, but it's not just that, right? Mila Edenak has ridiculously good aerial statistics. He has four he wins on 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 an average four aerial duels a game, right? You see that in that midfield where you know, we, we, if if the ball comes back to to Villa, a lot of the time Jedinak will just bounce it straight back out forward, it back into the opposition area, and that's something that we did see actually um, uh, against Bristol City. I forget which which point in particular, but it was uh, there, there were a couple of times where the ball was in the air and Jedinak's just like, like no messing about. We're we're gonna we're gonna get this straight back into the opposition area, and it, that that's another part where where Mila Jedinak is just imposing. And this is from his midfield play, not from his defensive play. Yeah, he wasn't exactly punting the ball. Um, Villa, a lot of Villa's passes, um, especially if it didn't involve Al Mohamed, he, he he loves the punt he does, and for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, Villa were playing it on the floor a lot, and I think full credit to the entire team. You know, in the usual circumstance, the man of the match would have been someone like Alfie Yedinak, Hutton, but every single player put in such a good performance. You know, Bjarnason's runs, Hogan's aggressiveness. Uh, you know, Hepburn Murphy's strength for such a young kid to hold, you know, Adam Flint off and Nathan Baker like that, that his age and his, you know, slightness is incredible to see. Every single player put in a, you know, almost a 10 out of 10 performance, if I'm going to rate it like that. It's really, really good to see, man. We haven't even mentioned Alan Hutton, who, <laughs> of course, by the way, right, according to who scored, I love referring to who scored because they just give me the statistics that I need, right? But, uh, according to who scored, who scored, right? Alan Hutton was the second highest rated player on the pitch after Rod, after Robert Snodgrass, who scored two goals, right? Hutton at left back. That guy is an absolute revelation. <laughs> we saw it before. We saw it before when they had to fill in at left back. And obviously it was be- it's best when he plays at right back and Taylor plays at left back. I will say that. But every time Hutton has played at left back, he's just shown that he can be ridiculously good there because he got the ball to his feet, right? A couple of times, Snodgrass actually actually switched the play over to him. And Hutton knows how to run through the, the middle of the pitch as well. He, he's, he seems to be more comfortable running that way, you know, it, cutting in rather than, than, than going down the wing. Because with, I think we said this before, he doesn't end up wasting it with a cross. He ends up actually being able to find the winger, especially somebody like uh, Jack Grealish, who he kept on finding throughout the game. Yeah, a brilliant play from him. You know, he set up Bjarnason as well. Let's not forget that. It was Hunt's pass. It was, yeah. He's good. (laughs) Like, he's becoming really good at that position. And he's getting, you know, it's it's quite sad to see that, you know, his career's on the way out now. He's approached, I think he's 33, 34. Um, So, you know, he's only maybe got like two or three years left at this level. But that was, man, I'd keep him, you know, that, if you replicate that performance every time, we're on to a winner there. That's... You know, mind blowing that that could happen. That Alan Hutton could be so impressive on the ball. And I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, the Hutton fans will say, "Oh, we've seen it all this time," but you haven't because he has been crap at right back. You know, there has been spells where he's been terrible at right back. But I, I don't know what he's, whatever he's been taking. I think there might be some doping allegations coming up because he's been <laughs> mad on that left wing. I'll tell you what it is, right? We like we we've been thinking all along this guy's a Scottish Cafu. But mate, this is the Scottish Roberto Carlos. That's that's who that's who we've really been saying all along. But what, mate, I reckon Cafu is a Brazilian Alan Hutton. You know that's you know it's the other way around. Alan Hutton's the one to watch because oh, that, that that left back. I don't know. I just don't get how where it comes from. I think it's I think it's just that comfortability of cutting inside. Some some players prefer that. 
You know, maybe maybe he stays in Everton. Go back in the day. We see the same. He switched wings and he's you know on fire. Alan Hudson, the same thing, and he's on fire. Yeah, switching the wings really helped them. And I think you know sometimes, obviously, when when if a, if a player was to attack us wide down the right hand side, yeah, and then you know turn Alan Hutton around. Uh, that 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 could happen. There's a potential of that happening. I, I don't think Brownhill w- was really good enough to be able to do that, you know. But if it was say uh, a winger who, who who liked to cut inside, then Alan Hutton's going to eat him up for breakfast because it actually does make you a little bit more comfortable when with, with, with defenders um, with defenders who who kind of play on the wrong side. Sometimes, if if, if you get what I mean, it makes them more comfortable to players who, who like cutting in. You know, so against the Jack Grealish, for example, you might you might prefer to to play a right footed left back, you know, than than, than somebody who um who, who's better with players who like to run down uh run run down your shoulder and, and go out wide, I guess. So I suppose there's that. David Santon made a career out of it, didn't he? And then Luke Young throughout half of his career. Of course, um, well, Bristol City match five 0 Really happy with that man. Um, we head to the FA Cup. Uh, next Saturday, we've got Peterborough at home. Um, I think Andre Green and John Terry will possibly be returning. I think Steve Bruce has confirmed that Green will start. Um, you know, fantastic to see. Um, progression in the cup is always good, but it also gives uh, Villa a chance to, you know, try out new things. And I think that's important. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't want us to go there and, and, and get a draw because um, one one thing that I that I think is fair to complain about as a Villa fan is the amount of absolutely awful cup runs that we've had over the years it's been a long time since we've had a decent one and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be losing to Peterborough yeah people say that oh if you win the cup you qualify for Europe and I'm like, that's not a problem if you don't win it you know we're not going to win it we just want to win matches and get confidence try out new things in the cup perfect place for trying out new things because you're going to get onto bigger and better teams you're going to be in all different sorts of scenarios perfect time to test out new people new formations you know new roles and uh, I just don't want to get beat because I think it's it, a, you know a cup win is good you know but people say it's more games it's more this this that and other but it's, it's a good way to get a win a cup loss is crushing a cup loss defined our season last you know last year when we you know we started off the season by getting battered by Luton and it ended up with us sacking <laughs> yeah. off half our players totally, mate. there will be people on Twitter talking about oh you know what let's play all the kids let's stick Callum O'Hare and 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 Hepburn Murphy up front together. But it can't be the case of that. I think we need to blend that youth with some with, with, with some actual like experience. I think it might be a good game to give Giannison a full 90 minutes as well. Yes, yeah, certainly a good game for Scott Hogan and Russian Hepburn Murphy. It'll be, you know, it'll be it will be rotation. Uh, there will be Jed steering goal. It, you know, there's this things that we come to expect from cup games. But um hopefully it's not the sort of rotation that tanks aside. It'll be good, really good to progress in this cup and ideally stay at home for a good home run. Um predictions, mate. Right, so Peterborough uh, this season, I'm actually uh, I'm looking at their uh, at their recent form, and despite having a little bit of a hiccup against MK Dons and 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 and, and drawing against Doncaster last um, last night, actually uh, they they've been on a tremendous run uh, when it comes to winning games. So I'm going to look at them now and kind of think that you know this is going to be a bit of a that this is going to be a bit of a difficult game because I don't care who you are when you come up against any team under you know that kind of winning form you know i, I think uh, we're always going to we're always going to find it difficult what i would like to see from villa is i'm not expecting a thrashing i would like one but what i would like to see from villa is a sensible performance here um i think 
what we can't do is underestimate Peterborough. Uh, I think that would be you know the absolute worst thing to do, especially because they are the kind of side who would turn over a um, turn over a team, uh, you know, a, a division above them. Team in good form like them, I think I want to give Villa a three-one victory. I think Peterborough will score. I think they will come at us, but I think ultimately we should be beating them. Um, and I think that's where I'd probably lie when it comes to uh, when it comes to predictions. No, no, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, Villa put out a good performance after that smashing win out of Bristol City. But um, Jack Marriott for uh, Peterborough is a very good striker. It's someone we've been linked to. Um, I expect him to, you know, get off the mark, score, you know, in the FA Cup and score a goal. Um, so I do think, you know, the FA Cup is always a struggle as well because it's a good source of money for teams in League One and League Two. Not that Peterborough need it, but it's also a good boost. Um, I do expect them to come, you know, with the attention to win because it's a win that does help you. If you come to Villa Park and beat Villa in in the Cup, it helps your season if Peter do that and they go into good things in the the league they're in. Um, I do hope we win. I think it'll be three one again. Um, we're in good form. We've got a good stroke. Scott Hogan plays. He's got firepower. Um, we play the right way and we win the game. Um, Jack Marriott might score. I think he's a very good striker. <laughs> he's um, killing it. Yeah, he's really he's killing it. Um, no wonder he's been linked with everyone under the sun like Scott Hogan was. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Um, it's the FA Cup. I'm not too fussed if we lose. I just hope we don't because it is a crushing loss. You know, let's not get that wrong. It, it's a loss that hurts. It's a loss that, you know, affects the squad. It gets on their nerves. It gets under their skin. And we don't need that right now. So, yeah, I hope for a win, mate. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think, you know, whilst we're, whilst we're going to be on the topic of, of, of just discussing, discussing potential threats from them as well, um, just I think we need to put out a word as well for, for Danny Lloyd, for one. Um, I think, especially for me, uh, Marcus Madison as well, who's who's been playing fantastically for them as well, um, particularly, I think, on the, on, on the left wing. Um, mostly this season, um, he's he, he has been you know contributing to them quite a lot this season. I think he scored something like seven or eight goals, um, if I'm correct. So, uh, yeah, yeah, eight goals so far this season. So I think uh, watch out for him as well. It will be threats. There will be threats from that Peterborough team. Uh, you know they've got a lot of pace in that side as well. So I think Villa should play. You know, with one defensive midfielder at the very least, I don't think this is a game to kind of like throw caution to the wind and kind of go, yeah, yeah, we'll play Hurahan and um, and Grealish in the centre and let's you know push two strikers up there. We need somebody who's going to run it from the fence and, and essentially mark out um, one of their, uh, well, you know, at least one of their forwards. Um, so you know, th- th- there is going to have to be a lot of concentration in this game. Yeah, mate. Well, any final thoughts on today's issues? You know, we talk about Steve Bruce's comments, the loss against Brentford, the two wins, and of course the FA Cup match. Any final thoughts on your on your half? Yeah, I think, I think for me, I'm just gonna pretty much end this by saying that it's great to see us finally putting out a performance where we thrashed aside. It's been all well and good, us watching Villa play well and 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 get wins. You know, it was nice. We, we, were, we were talking positively in those first podcasts, I think, that I, I, I started on. And, you know, we were talking about how it's great to see Villa winning and, you know, being dominant to some degree. But finally, what we saw was Aston Villa showing up and and basically making a statement to say that, look, we are one of the best teams in the league. Making that statement to say that we are, we belong in the Premier League and, and, and we sh- and basically... The players just showed that they can absolutely dispatch sides. And we should be striking fear into every single team that we play against. We shouldn't have to sit back and kind of 
work our way into it, kind of, you know, say that we're say that we're unlucky for a full 90 minutes. What that game showed me is that every single one of those players is capable. And I think more so that we as a side are capable of, of, of achieving great things. So there's no excuses now. There's no excuses. If we see Villa play and, and, and kind of kind of soar out of our game, this is going to be a reference point for us now because every single one of those players showed that if, when they run and when they make an effort, yeah, we can blow teams out of the water. So there's that. And I think my second thought is um, I need to clarify from you, James, what's going on between you and a sword and getting into Villa Park. Uh, it's just a funny thing about how stupid people are because in Texas you can now open carry a two-handed Scottish Claymore. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that you should be able to walk around the street with a Claymore. But, um, sure, I, th- I think we need a longer debate about yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a long, sharp debate. There's many points to be made. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it'd be funny to write about, you know, the, from the perspective of someone. I don't think many people got it because uh, a lot of people have read it, actually. It's got, you know, one of the best performing articles so far that I've uh, ever written but um a lot of people don't really get it because i see the headline and think i'm a nutter but uh what well, it is actually really a really smart point i'm trying to make about people literally thinking they are god's bollocks <laughs> and uh you know with a gun it's not like i think it's in america it's like i don't want to criticize people things too much because i understand why america has guns i understand why people have them i I'm, you know i'm not going to say anything against them on aston villa podcast but it's also everyone thinks they're like the lone gunslinger kind of thing. If something bad were to happen, they'd be the person to stop it. It's like like frontier mentality. I was kind of riffing on that a little bit. I don't think many people got it. And I think most people now think I'm kind of a weirdo who wants to stop a, a terror, potential terror threat at Villa Park with a, a, a sword. Yeah, okay. So basically read everything that you write with a pinch of salt when it comes to... Just a little, a little just a little, especially when blades are involved. Yeah. All right, fair enough, mate. Well, that, that clarifies all that for me then. Uh, and I think... I think the other, I think the one last point I do need to make is that Steve Bruce's performance um, in in press conferency was absolutely amazing post uh, post Bristol City, and I prefer that kind of a press conference to any of the ones that he has held um, over the last couple of weeks where he's been sort of criticised. Uh, was that like the rougher than a bear's ass thing? Oh, he was in snobs the night before, wasn't he? Absolutely smashed out of his skin, weren't it? A few pints of warm ale, I think he was drinking. <laughs> a few pints of those. A bit a kebab as well, of course. A kebab in each hand, maybe. Having a munch on Broad Street. Don't blame him. Don't blame him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken a lot about Steve Bruce in his comments. But, man, if you're going to back him up, you're backing up in style. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? yeah no, so, fair fair enough, mate. You, you had fun New Year's Eve. Um, and... Uh, somehow still managed to coach the side into winning 5-0. So I, as a, as, as, as a football journalist or football broadcast journalist, whatever you want to say, I'm absolutely baffled. And um, I, I don't understand how he's managed to get the team to pull out a performance uh, like that after the kind of night he must have had. So fair play to him. Yeah, big shout out to Steve Bruce. Uh, big love for the man over there at DHRiser on Twitter. You can find him and you can find me at Jammer Russian on Twitter. At 7500 Toll is the kind of banner we're producing content under at the moment. And yeah, any feedback you can give is also good. You know, any reviews on iTunes, even just speaking to us and just telling us we're, you know, idiots or we're wrong. It's cool. It's all, it's, you know, it's all love Absolutely, in the end, isn't it, mate? Even if you're going to insult us, even if you can tell us we're wrong, even if you're going to call me an idiot, I prefer that to you being silent. So just, 
you know, bring what you've got to the table, whatever you want to say about the podcast, you know, tell us, you know, what, what I will say is, you know, uh, any, anything that you do like, any positivity, any retweets, any shares, any subscriptions that you make, they all, they all go a long way. And uh, we, we, we love reading every single one of your comments. Yeah, they have impact. And uh, you'll catch us same time, same place next week on any good podcast host and on course on 7500holt.com after we hopefully beat Peterborough in the FA Cup next Saturday. So for me, James Rushton, for him, Danny Ryder, it's goodbye. We'll catch you soon.